When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And with help from Albertsons, it doesn't have to be the most stressful. Stop in for great deals on holiday favorites so you can stretch your budget and celebrate more. Pick up fresh, boneless, skinless chicken breasts or thighs, just $1.59 a pound when you buy a value pack of three pounds or more. And get General Mills cereal 10.7 to 13 ounces, selected varieties, $1.57 when you buy two. Tastier meals, sweeter deals, happier holidays. Albertsons, it's just better. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to another edition of the Starting Five with Ben Heisler. Ben, it's been a little bit of a time since we've spoken last, so catch us up. What's happening in the NBA? What do we need to talk about? What's up, Coach? It's good to be back with you again. And uh, I figure we start things off on the Starting Five today with the team that we, uh, I don't want to say threw under the bus a couple weeks ago, but a team that we were very concerned about, and that was the Cleveland they're currently in the five spot, sitting at 30 and 20 as we record this today. Uh, they're winners of 11 straight, so they're currently the hottest team in the NBA. And, and I mean, the last time that we talked, we were discussing whether or not David Blatt is going to remain the coach through the remainder of this year. You think we gave up on the Cavs too quickly? Oh, I think so. I had tweeted out somewhere around that, that show that we did that there was an alternate universe where the Cleveland Cavaliers get to the finals because you simply can't count out LeBron James. And uh, right. sure enough, there they go on this big win streak. Everything gets hidden because when you're winning, all the stink gets put away. Uh, it's very possible it could rear its ugly head again. But so far, it's, it's a nice thing to, to know that David Blatt is completely safe and we're not hearing anything right now about what's going on there. And you know what the crazy thing is, is that we still haven't seen the best of what Kevin Love has to offer this year. I mean, there's still talk about whether or not his confidence is where it needs to be. And the fact that they've won 11 straight and LeBron's been playing a lot better and they've been a little bit more responsive and been better on the defensive end. I mean, as somebody watching this team from afar, I never counted them out because of how bad the East was. And all it takes was for them to start rolling a little bit and get a little bit more confidence and improve a little bit on the defensive end for them to really start to get themselves going. And that's exactly what we've seen over this last few weeks stretch. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not so sure we've seen enough, enough of an adjustment for Kevin Love to get elbow touches like we did a breakdown of. Uh, but you're right. Most NBA players do not lack confidence. That's, that's what's got them there. They're going to have it. Uh, I just think that Kevin Love is deferring sure. a little bit. I think he's happy that they're winning and willing to be whatever he can be to help them continue that. And, you know, everyone says they're going to need him in the playoffs. And that's true. Um, and that's when they're going to take away other things that will then – force Kevin Love to have to make plays and I'm you know I'm sure he'll be there ready to do it yeah I think so as well and again I, I've always said this before especially watching the LeBron James Miami teams take care of the Bulls that were a lot deeper uh, against them that whenever LeBron can go ahead and guard your best player that takes out whatever advantage they have so let's transition that coach to our next topic which was is the East in general I'm curious to know who you might consider putting your money on at the East to go ahead and move on to the finals is it Atlanta I mean they had a 19 game winning streak 
think they're currently number one in the East. We've seen how well they've played throughout all season. Uh, the Raptors really in a, just a position to cruise in a, just a bad division. Uh, the Wizards are number three. They've lost a few games in a row, but they're very deep, have a terrific backcourt. And then you have the Bulls, number four, that have been pretty inconsistent as have the Cavs. So if you look at those five teams, I think those are clearly the five favorites you have out of the East. Which one do you think you put your money on? I still like the, the Hawks. I still think that, you know, even though they didn't look good when they lost their, their huge uh, winning streak, uh, you know, there's something about watching them play where it's hard to imagine that you're going to be able to shut that down for four games in the period of, you know, 10 days. It just seems really difficult to do that, primarily because they also can play some defense. So I, I as a coach, you got to back that. You can't, you can't ignore that. There are some other, you know, teams in there, and I think Cleveland ends up being the one team that's going to be the most dangerous. Uh, I'm really concerned about the Bulls. I've watched a, a few of their games over the last week or two, and i got to tell you, for all the issues I have with Russell Westbrook and the way he plays the point guard position, Derrick Rose is doing a lot of the same stuff right now, and it's really frustrating to watch, and I don't know if, uh, if that's going to be enough yeah, Rose- to overcome. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I got a chance to watch Rose in person when uh, our, our show here in Kansas City was covering the Super Bowl out in Arizona, his game in Phoenix. And and really what we've seen out of Rose over the last several games is just bad, just force up shots, especially a lot of threes. He's not a good three point shooter. And he still has those moments. That's what's so frustrating to me, coach, is that he still has the ability to get that quick first step to be able to go to the basket. And we saw a couple flashes, but you know, I, I think for whatever reason, he just doesn't have this feeling that he can go and he can kick it out to guys on the perimeter. I mean, Butler's improved on his three-point percentage. Um, Miritich, for whatever reason, hasn't been getting a lot of playing time lately. I, I think maybe Thibs doesn't love him at the three. Um, I, I'm not buying the fact that because Mike Dunleavy is out, that all of a sudden Derek Rose's role with the Bulls changes. Like, this is someone who can get to the rim. He needs to go back to the free throw line. And, and when he's jacking up shots, he's really hurting his team. Absolutely. It's decision-making because... He doesn't need to. First of all, he, he still jumps on every pass he makes. And, yeah. you know, his turnover rate is probably within in reason of what a point guard would have. But some of those turnovers are just bad turnovers. They're unnecessary, needless, jumping in the air, getting stuck, having to throw it away. Uh, also, the, the, the hurtling to the hoop. He used to be really good at that, where he was out of control, yet could still balance his body and finish those shots. He's not doing it that well. And then his three-point shot, you know, we talk about the sway where your feet supposed to come forward. He is the opposite and ends up shooting with his upper body in front of his, uh, his feet, fighting his lower body to get that shot off. It's never going to be a consistent shot that way. So um, he's, he's sort of battling his own self right now. And I don't know if it's enough time to fit, sort that whole thing out before the playoffs start. I agree with you. I say the two teams that should be there fighting for the East are the Bulls and the Cavaliers. I think ultimately we're looking at a maybe a Hawks-Cavs finals, and I, I think Cleveland, now that they're starting to figure it out and they had, that they have LeBron, uh, ultimately move on. That's who I'm putting my money on in the East thus far. To the West we go, Coach, and uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder sitting currently at 24-24 and 24 as we record this. Uh, right now, the 10th best team in the West, Phoenix is in the number eight spot at 28-22. and 22. Uh, The Pelicans are ahead of them as well. Um, it's a super tough Southwest division, though, for New Orleans. And the fact that they're over 500 and are in last place in the division really speaks of how well that division has played all year. You think the Thunder have enough to get themselves rolling and get themselves into the postseason? I don't think so. I think that Kevin really? Durant is ailing. Uh, he's been missing games. He's going to miss the first New Orleans Pelicans game of the, of the home and home they have this week. 
And so uh, without him uh, at completely full strength, they're not going to make it. And we've already seen how they haven't been playing well when he's been in the lineup. So it's a real, real troubling issue. We have our playoff odds report that we've been doing every week as a show. And right now, yeah. as of the 3rd of uh, February, they're, they're going to be 10th. They're going to be behind the Pelicans. And the Pelicans won't make it either based on our projections of their strength of schedule going forward. So uh, not many things are pointing in their favor right now. I think the problem is is that you have a team like Phoenix that's really impressed me all year. And the fact that you, you've seen more out of Isaiah Thomas and Dragic and Bledsoe, you have just three really, really good guards that can also distribute. And Bledsoe showed a terrific ability that we've seen all season, all throughout his career, of really getting to the line. He got that quick first step, and uh, he really impressed me when I got a chance to see him live on Friday night. And you're right. Durant's health is going to be the the key to all of this. If he can get himself back and healthy and carry the team on his shoulders when he needs to. I mean, obviously, they, they locked up Nick Collison for a couple more years. He's not going to be that key piece that gets them going. And now you also wonder how much, if Westbrook is continuing to play the amount of minutes that he's playing, uh, how far they can really go. They need to be healthy. If they are, then they can probably steal it from Phoenix. But I, I don't think it's going to be New Orleans just because that division is going to beat themselves up. Well, that too. But the, the Suns, you know, had a, just a brutal loss last night. They had a seven-point lead with 90 seconds to go. And that is part of the problem. I kind of love their offense and the Suns side because they spread the floor and kind of let people yeah. go one-on-one -on -one and use their, their, uh, their own talents. But down the stretch of some of these games, they, the shots they get end up being so difficult. And if they can't defend at a, at a completely elite level, they're going to get stung even more going down the stretch. So it looks to me like the reason why we're thinking that the Suns are going to stay up there is that their schedule is going to loosen up a little bit better than what the Thunder have to face. And that's going to be the difference. So we'll see. But it's a, it's a great race. And certainly I've been enjoying doing my show to focus on it because who knows, maybe the Pelicans make it. Yeah, yeah, those three teams I think will be fascinating down the stretch. And at one point, one point, Coach, the Oklahoma City Thunder were 16-1 to to win the NBA Finals. So I might know a guy or two that maybe put a, a few shackles on that to uh, go ahead and make that happen. That's why I don't let's go do back. that. <laughs> That's right. Well, let's, let's go back to the East for a second because uh, we all thought we talked about Kevin Durant and his ability to lead his team. And obviously we saw what Paul George was able to do last year for Indiana and over the last few years of being able to just carry that team when he needed to. Uh, the Pacers are not a very good team, but Larry Bird hinted the other day that if they somehow squeak into the postseason, that Paul George, if he's recovered from his broken leg, could actually give it a go. I mean, they're 15 games under 500 right now, Coach, and they're not necessarily going to do a whole lot of damage. So does it make sense, you think, to possibly rush Paul George back from recovery to try and get him into a postseason? Uh, you know, I've been agonizing over this question all morning before we did the show because uh, you know, part of me wants to say, sure, if the doctors say that he's completely healthy, he can't do any extra damage to it by playing. Uh, it's a nice story. Let's get him back in the lineup. Let's get him, you know, let's, let's end the season on a positive note with our best player back. No one works harder than him. I, I've observed Paul George and, and his summer workouts. Uh, and so that's, that part is nice. But then again, you have to picture the notion of what if he did do something, you know, re-injured it again? while he played because he came back, you know, too early or whatever. That would be so devastating. I mean, and sure. that could end the, his career in theory. So I don't know. I've been going back and forth on it. In theory, if the doctors look at the, the films and they say it's 100% completely healed, no problem, um, you know, can you really argue about coming back? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like um, it, it's just an agonizing decision, and, and I, don't think, I don't know if the risk is worth it uh, ultimately for the season that they're having. 
I, I agree with you. I, I think what it ultimately comes down to is what the doctors say. And it goes back to, to Derek Rose uh, recovering from his torn ACL a couple of years ago. And not necessarily the injuries aren't the injuries aren't the same. But I think about what the doctor's protocol was. And the doctor said to Rose uh, during the entire season that he missed, uh, part of your rehabilitation process is to play and to get comfortable again and start going through that process of being able to get on the court and start to feel things out because you're not going to feel right right away. And so with somebody like George, if the doctors say this is part of your rehabilitation process, do you necessarily want that to happen come playoff time? Because all of a sudden the minutes are going to go up, the games are going to be much more physical and more intense. And you're right, maybe there's a possibility of re-injury or possibly just going too strong right away to the point where your body is not physically ready. To me, it totally depends on what the doctors feel is the right thing for Paul George long-term. If that is to play during the postseason as part of his recovery, then do it. If it's for him to sit and come back and sort of readjust himself next year, then that's fine too. Indiana is not winning a championship this year. Let's, let's come out and say that. But if the doctors say that that's the right thing to do, to have him play in the playoffs as part of his recovery process, then I have no problem. So you don't think the record or their standing uh, has any bearing? It's simply just the doctor's order as opposed to somebody saying, uh, well, they're so far down, they're not going to be close. He just simply shouldn't play. You don't think that's any uh, that's part of the issue? No, not necessarily because you want Paul George. You have Paul George as a long-term investment. You have to treat him as such. And if the doctors say that this is the best way to keep him at maximum moving forward, then I think you have to do it. I hear you. I mean, yeah, it, it's a great argument for both sides, and it's an agonizing one. And I, I don't know. I would probably, you know, err toward the caution and say, don't play. Let's get you all the way healthy, start the season next year. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the Pacers do. Final one for you, coach, as we continue here on the starting five. Um, All-Star game coming up about a week and a half or so from now. Adam Silver mentioned the other day that he is open to expanding All-Star rosters or for guys that like Damian Lillard that got screwed over again. Uh, you wouldn't have to worry about him being able to just sort of sitting on the bench or just sitting on his couch watching the game. Uh, and he also said he's comfortable with the voting process as of now, but he's looking into ways to improve that as well. I've, I think I might have asked you this before, but let's bring it back. If you could make one change to all-star voting, rosters, anything about the overall experience, uh, what do you think you'd change? Uh, no question. The thing I would do is limit the fan to one vote each. Uh, I, I'm assuming you can do that somehow, but maybe they could get around that. But they could do a way where you could only vote once because you have to remember when I was growing up, they would literally have punch ballots at the NBA stadiums that you had to stuff stuff into a box. Like, you know, there, it was very difficult to, to stuff. Although that said, obviously the teams that were winning and had the higher attendance would have a clear advantage. So I would think that the biggest thing for me would be, yes, um, you know, limit the fans to only one vote each. I think that works. I think part of the way that you can have some more fun with the fan voting is I would try, you know, we've seen this in the NHL. We've seen this in the in the Pro Bowl, just ways to try and improve it and make the game a little bit more different and exciting. Um, and, and I think for basketball, that's what makes it so fascinating as well as if we did a captain style. So the two overall top vote getters, the one in the West, one in the East, the guys that get the most amount of votes, they get to be the captains of their team. And then whether you want to keep it to only West guys versus East guys or just draft the best team you can, I'd love to see a captain style where you have like LeBron James and Kevin Durant are the captains and they get to choose their team and, and build the team around them. And so that way you sort of limit the fan vote. They get to see the two biggest guys that they want to see 
But ultimately, you have the captains being able to decide the best players around them. And I think that would make for a fascinating game and ultimate bragging rights and so much trash talk, which I love as part of the game, that that would be a lot of fun. For you me. know, I, I, I kind of like it. But then I start to think about the notion of, you know, LeBron James's good buddy who's got a huge kicker in his contract if he gets the All-Star game. Yeah. Uh, he, he picks him, you know, like you could get political. But then again, if you could have enough of the players that were eligible all sitting there and we get to watch their reaction when they don't get picked... <laughs> <laughs> that would be really fascinating stuff. So uh, I, it's interesting. I kind of like that. It reminds me, I keep meaning to ask whenever I interview the NBA guys, uh, you know, that kind of question. You're at the park. All the NBA players are there for, waiting to play next. Who do you pick up for your other four? Uh, I would. I, that's an interesting question for sure. Um, I just think there might be some other, you know, contractual nuances that are involved that might make it kind of tough. Yeah, no, it'd be crazy. I think we were we were actually talking to uh, to Stephen A. Smith when we were doing our show over on Radio Row, and we asked him who would be his ultimate NBA three-on-three -three team, um, and he left LeBron James and Anthony Davis off of his roster. He had Kevin Durant, Carmelo Anthony, and, and Stephen Curry. So, of course, you know, that's Stephen A. He likes to make headlines, but uh, yeah, ultimate bragging competitions are always a lot of fun, and uh, I think the All-Star Game rosters for that type of way, the captain style, I think would be a lot of fun as well. Absolutely. Well, there's no bragging here as we wrap up this another great show covering across all the different stuff going on in the NBA, so Thanks for coming on the show, Ben. Looking forward to our next one. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel. We're a conversation. You in? You in, Ben? I'm always in, Coach. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can seem intense. Like, breakup R&B intense. I thought you said you love a sweater that I got you. If you Geico makes it easy. Just go to geico.com anytime to update or check your policy without all the extra drama. I even had a gift receipt. This holiday season, AT&T is giving away $25,000 just for telling them what great LG products you want this year. Stop by a participating AT&T store and snap a selfie holding up the LG products you want to get, like the LG V20 with 5.7-inch HD display and direct TV app to watch live TV. Then share your selfie on Twitter or Instagram with hashtag Here's What I Want Sweeps or upload it to Here's What I Want Sweeps.com for a chance to win 25 grand. No purchase necessary. Click the banner for rules and a list of participating stores.